Hello everyone, I'm Liam and welcome to another bonus episode of the Early Education Show. Yes, another bonus, I know we're really dragging it out until we get to the 100th. Uh, we can only apologise, it turns out, uh, just by coincidence, between episode 99 and the next one, 100, uh, we've, the three of us have just been insanely busy, we've, we've had quite a lot on, but uh, we want to sort of just keep the odd bonus episode coming about, so uh, I guess you just don't forget about us, but the 100th episode should be here in the next week or two, we do promise. Um, this episode should be fun, this is just a chat with, uh, with Lisa. Uh, just about some articles she's been writing for a project I do for the organisation I work with, um, the framework. We're still going to talk about those articles. I think they're really great. It's always great to to read Lisa's writing, but we thought we might just break down why we're doing that project and and why we think it might be worth uh, listeners of the show engaging with it as well. But before we get to then, this is kind of a bit of a housekeeping segment. We do have um, quite a bit going on uh, around the the podcast at the moment. Um, just a reminder: with the the hundredth episode, we're seeking um, your contribution. So. Uh, you know, if, if you've been either listening since episode one or you're a new person or if you just enjoy the show, we'd really appreciate if you could send us a quick uh, audio message that we can play in that episode. So we kind of have this feel of people coming together for a bit of a party where we're pretty chuffed we've made it to we've made it to uh, to episode 100. And that's largely down to listeners, you know, actually enjoying and, and liking the show. So uh, it's really simple to do. Uh, you can head to our Facebook page and there's a guide there in one of the recent posts. But uh, pretty much everyone, if you have a smartphone these days, you've got a voice recorder app on your phone. Just hit record and then email to earlyedushow at gmail.com. Um, you know, we, we the, the three of us sort of do this crazy show in our spare time where we're often recording uh, at night. I'm, you know, probably about uh, 20 minutes away from 8.30 where I'm going to be, you know, Skyping in with Lisa. Um, and we do it because, we you know, we love the sector and we love the listeners. But, you know, um, we are not above a bit of praise and a bit of uh, people sending us nice things. So, you know, it just keeps us motivated and get, gets the energy up. So, um, you know, if, if, if the podcast has meant anything to you over that time, um, it'd be great if you could send us a little message and we'll play it uh, in episode 100. Uh, we're still continuing with exploring the NQS, so this is for our Patreon supporters. Uh, I've mentioned this a few times on the podcast, but Patreon is a site where you can support uh, creators like ourselves um, for a monthly fee, and it can be little as one US dollar a month. And everyone who is supporting us on Patreon gets uh, another bonus series from me called Exploring the NQS, where I sort of break down every element um, of the National Quality Standard one week at a time. It's been good fun to do. Uh, I've had some good feedback, so if that's a you know that that's a thank you to everyone who supporting the show on patreon so just head to patreon.com forward slash early edu show um, or go to early education show.com and click the support the show tab um if by any particular reason you want to see any of us in person, we've actually got quite a few uh, live appearances coming up at various conferences. We've got quite a few booked in, actually. So uh, there's one coming up pretty soon. On the Friday, the 17th of May, we'll be at uh, Early Learning Association Australia's conference. So that's Friday, 17th of May. That'll be in Melbourne. So if you're if you're at that conference, um, you know, this it'll be about... Uh, uh, I think about a week or so after this uh, episode comes out, um, tracks down. We'd love to say hello, but you know, uh, it would be you know, obviously it'd be good to have a packed room. So you know, find us on the program or on stream uh, A one, I think it's called on the Saturday, on the Friday. Sorry, so tracks down, join us, and then come and say hello to us after uh, we we do that little live show. We'd we'd love to say hello. And then in July, we're going to be at the Social Justice and Early Childhood Conference. Uh, we did this last year and released a, a live episode. It was a great deal of fun. Um, we're big supporters of Social Justice and Early Childhood, and um, they've been wonderful supporters of us as well. Um, we're looking forward to, to being there. So that's Saturday, 27th of July, and that's in Redfern. Again, uh, if you're a fan of the show, come out and see us there. We'd love to say hello. And then later on in the year, uh, this is in September, uh, will be the IEU Early Childhood Services Conference, and that one's in Sydney. Um, great spot for advocates and advocacy. Um, they've got some really interesting focuses on 
early education uh, this year. So we'll be we'll be there, and we're we're looking forward to again doing another live show. Um, you know, this is great. But we're we're really grateful to all of these organisations who have uh, allowed us to come and wield our microphones and talk about the uh, the nonsense we talk about. But um, great opportunity to meet and catch up. So if you're a fan in Melbourne, Redfern, or Sydney, and any of those events, um, come and say hello. We'd love to we'd love to catch up and meet some of our listeners. Um, one other thing we've been asked to share that the Anti-Bias Award, which is being run by Social Justice in Early Childhood, is being run again. Nominations are open. This is a really uh, fantastic award based on uh, Dr. Red Ruby Scarlett's um, third edition of the Anti-Bias uh, in Early Childhood uh, book, which is you know a fantastic. Really uh, recommend the Anti-Bias Approach in Early Childhood, I should say. Um, really recommended the book. But this um, this award is a great way to recognise someone who's um, you know someone or a group who's doing you know amazing things in anti-bias practices um, around pedagogical leadership and those kind of things so uh, if you have someone you want to nominate just head to sjiec.org forward slash anti dash bias dash award all right well let's get on with the content of this uh, bonus episode so let's um go over to lisa Did you get me to write these articles? Lisa, what a great question. That's a really good question. Maybe you need to do the interviews from now on. Um, Well, look, a few reasons. So maybe a little bit of background on the framework first. I think I've referred to it on the podcast before. So I'm really lucky. So the organization I work for, Northside Community Service, um, runs this website, The Framework, for free. So it's for the sector, for educators, for professionals, for those just interested in early education. And I'm kind of lucky I get to oversee it and um, call myself the editor of it, which has always been a dream of mine. You're lucky that it gets more stuff for free. Well, I think that's the point. The point is, you know, when it was set up, so it's it's set up in January 2018, and it was really just with the idea of there is there wasn't something like it in the sector. So, look, I'm a bit of a media nerd, so I follow quite a few things. But you know, as an example, the advertising industry has a site called Mumbrella, which you know looks at um, you know advertising and marketing those kind of things. There's a great one called the Mandarin for the public service, and even something like Pro Bono News for the not for profit sector. But there wasn't something like that for the early education sector or services operating under the National Quality framework hence the title and it was just this idea you would have news and opinion and articles and those kind of things and one of the key things that um you know i'm really proud of in terms of how Northside operates is we don't um you know we we do take an advocacy position on things so the site was deliberately set up to have a point of view and not just sort of provide balance and just and just regurgitate press releases from the various things we there are you know it aligns with uh, how we advocate which is you know what policies and and uh, things that are in the best interests of children so uh, covering the election was a no-brainer, so we had to do that. But um, I think we just wanted to hear from voices other than the ones we normally hear from, which is you know the majority of me uh, writing a lot of the uh, the articles on there. And uh, you know, Lisa, there's there's probably no one better who has a good understanding of both the political sphere and the early education sector than you. So it was kind of a, a no-brainer to come for you. Plus, I'm an opinionated git, and that always helps, eh? <laughs> Look, doesn't hurt. I think you're uh, you're 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 the early education uh, sector's version of clickbait, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I introduce you to everyone, anyway. But um, I think the idea was we really wanted to, um, you know, I, I think probably you and I both, where we might get into this a bit later on uh, when we talk about some of the articles you've written, is that the the sector's probably not politically engaged enough for either of us. So 
the, the idea, yeah, the 2019 election, like every election is big and there are obviously more issues than early education, but this is where we can have the big discussion of ideas and this is what democracy and elections are about, where you can have this con- competing contest of ideas and early education is featuring quite interestingly in, in the election. So amazingly we, so. Amazingly so. So we, so um, you're, you're writing a weekly column for us uh, at the moment. I think, so we, I think there'll be six in total. I think we've, uh, as this episode comes out, we'll have just published the fourth and we're getting obviously pretty close to um, the election, but you know, it I, I, feels like there's been way more than four weeks of this election. Are you really telling me we've only had four weeks? Well, you know, I'm gonna say this election's felt a bit boring compared to other ones. I don't know if because we've had the Easter break and everything in it, and um, I don't know. I felt a bit, I felt a bit disengaged in that one. Maybe I made a bit more of an effort to be not quite so uh, on, on Twitter quite as much and reading every single article that comes out. Um, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like it's more boring. I feel no. Yeah. <laughs> so this egged our politician today, our prime minister today, Liam. Yeah, that's and the egg didn't break. It's very odd. That's yeah. what I can't quite get over. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm not sure what that says about the egg force or our prime minister's head, but um. That'd be a good. That'd be a good uh, article for a good, a good debate for discussion. Maybe another time. But um, I think one of the things. I mean, this is very much. The, I mean, we're, we're we're treading water until the hundredth episode. I explained in the introduction that we've just been kind of all, all three of us have been busy in some way or another, and we're. But we wanted to release bonus episode. But this is very much the the Lisa and Liam self promotion uh, episode because we're obviously why and why not? Um, so you've got something to listen to at least. So at least I thought maybe let's go through the topics that are out there, and I guess you know why. Um, I think we gave you pretty free rain to come up with the you know the, the particular articles you wanted to to come up with but i think the first article was very much a scene setting exercise for the election do you want to maybe take us through yeah. you know, where that first one came from and Look, what you were thinking I, I just one of the things that um i'm always aware of is that a lot of educators don't actually follow how or aren't aware of how how um what happens in politics impacts their day-to-day work and I just wanted to lay that out. People, probably most listeners of this pol- podcast, are very aware of how uh, you know what happens in the political sphere in- influences their work. But um, a lot of educators would have no idea that what they teach, who they get to their centre, um, uh, you know, the cost of early education care, and what they get paid is all influenced by elections and that some of the really big changes that have happened in our sector have happened out of election promises. That's right. I think it was a really good sort of scene city exercise obviously for the for, for us of the framework it was important to say you know why we were sort of you know having these articles at all but um, I think you and I would both agree that it is so critically important that educators are politically engaged and um, I think both of us have over the last week or two been uh, a little flawed I think by reactions from some people in the sector who just seem yeah to, yeah so to seem to be um, the idea that you know early education and and children and politics shouldn't mix, and I just I, there's probably nothing I disagree with more in the sector. You know, every you know this is this is why nothing changes, and this is why we're sort of stuck with the system we have. Is if we don't have you know a level of political engagement, this is and particularly at election time when big decisions about you know who's going to be passing laws is being made. I just it it kind of amazes me that not only that there's disengagement, I kind of get that. I think I think that's a feature of democracies around the world, but that an active sort of keep it away from me. 
You know, everything we do is a political act. Choosing not to engage in politics and choosing not to advocate is a political act in itself. It is, but for a lot of educators, I don't think they see it like that. I think they see politics as something that happens on their TV screens, etc., and work is something, you know, where they work is totally devoid from that. And I think that that attitude comes up in in areas like when they say we can't talk to children about refugees because that's too political or children don't need to know about things like that yet. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, how some people practice their early education and care and other people say, like exactly like you have, no, everything's political and if we're not discussing it with children, we're not preparing them for the future. Yeah, or even just discussing it amongst, you know, colleagues and yourself as educators. Yeah. Um, now, I should say we'll have links to all these articles, obviously, in the, in the notes for this episode. But your next uh, article, Lisa, was, you know, a wonderful bit of uh, prediction you had. So the this was published what, a few days before Labor's uh, various early education announcement with the uh, with the spot-on headline of early education isn't a big issue this election, is why it should be. So, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, we're assuming, Lisa, obviously, that obviously the, the major parties read this article uh, published on our little website and, and hurriedly came up with some very oh. massive, you know, early, early education policy. We, we think that's probably obviously, right. Obviously, Liam, yeah, like the power that you and I have in our pen and in our <laughs> publishing. I always suspected, Lisa. Meet. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they heard my call to action and immediately jumped to it or <laughs> heard our call to action. But um, I seriously believed that at this stage that nothing would happen <clears throat> about early education in this election because we had the um, the Prime Minister's Party, the Coalition, they had done their big election thing actually two elections ago, it just <laughs> took... Um, they'd promised in 2013 that there'd be the productivity inquiry into childcare, and out of that they came their jobs for families package, which they didn't actually get implemented to till um, 2018. But that was their big childcare thing. They weren't going to come up with anything else about childcare or early education that even made it clear that they were only extending the funding for preschool for another year prior to the election being called. So absolutely nothing was coming from them. It was a fair bet that the Greens would have a policy that promised lots and lots of wonderful things for early education and care because that's what they do um, every time. It's also It was also unlikely, I thought, that Labor would promise anything because they'd already highlighted that they wanted to bring in um, funded preschool for three-year-olds and they'd highlighted that really, um, you know, they wanted to do something about educator wages but hadn't really specified that. So the most I kind of thought would happen would be a bit more detail <clears throat> about those two things. But then, just after we we released this article where I painstakingly said, oh, you know, childcare isn't... Sorry, I keep using childcare. I've been reading lots of um, newspaper reports today. <laughs> um, uh, early education care just isn't a barbecue stopper like it once was. 
never did I think that they had an announcement up their sleeve <laughs> that would cause it to become a key and central area of the campaign. And never did I think that the media would put so much attention into it as what they did. You know, it just immediately from that Sunday when they announced those things, it's been like there's been at least, you know, 20 opinion pieces written about um, early education and care this election where other elections there's you'd be have been hard-pressed to find one or two of them. It's, you know, um, it's a major media topic. Yeah, it's been an interesting time, and I should say we covered those announcements in our last bonus episode. So if you go down to the most recent episode in this piece, we won't probably uh, go over them too much here. But um, this led to a really great the you know, the uh, the your article from last week, um, Lisa, which was about you know these are great policies, but how are they going to be implemented? I think was uh, the sort of thrust of that. Um, that yeah, um, it actually had I think two thrusts. One of them was me gently chiding the. Um, early education care sector for not getting on on board with the wage rises um, that had been offered because I was reading all these things in our educator forums and Facebook pages where people were saying, oh, but he'll he'll never actually um, bring in the wage increases and, oh, this won't mean anything because it's going to take eight years to to play out and, oh, you know, they always, politicians always promise a lot and never deliver anything. And I just got super frustrated with hearing that because, for God's sake, when somebody offers you a wage rise, you back them, you know, you say, yay, I'll take it, you know. But the other side of it was just about how the best promises can go astray in the delivery of it. And we actually saw this the last time that um, Labor promised an, a pay rise for educators, which I think was in the 2013 election, but it could have been 2010. Um, but anyway, they promised it, and then when they tried to bring it in, um, uh, it, it... That was the earliest quality fund, I think, fund, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't very well done and it was done at the last minute before they were turfed out and it was easy for the incoming government to overthrow it and to um, get a lot of ground out of saying it was just around increasing union membership, etc. And it's an example of a great idea, giving educators um, you know, better wages implemented badly. And all policy can be implemented badly or well and I think um, we often see policy in our sector implemented badly so it was a call for some real thought and patience and um, uh, understanding to go in into working out how to implement the policies that have been promised for our sector. Absolutely, and I think there's a new article out uh, this morning as this episode is released, which I think you've kind of, um, I sort of asked you to take that point from that article and really expand on it because we'd been sort of talking throughout the week about our own um, 
you know, uh, frustration might be a word, or just interest in that and how educators engage politically. So, I mean, so this is sort of as it, as this episode's coming out, this new article will be out today. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about, I guess, your your thinking behind this piece? Yeah, this is this is kind of like my cranky uh, article where I basically harangue the sector and saying, "Oh, for God's sake, you know, like if nothing else, when you vote, can you please think about children?" If you know, if you can't think about your own interests, then think about children and think about especially those children who, for no you know um, fault of their own, don't have great lives, don't have great parenting, are socially or economically disadvantaged. You know, and think about them and think about which party is offering them greater access to the education and care that every listener to this podcast is involved in providing so well. One party or two parties are offering a lot better deal for those children than the other party is. And so I'm just simply asking people to think about that. Yeah, I, they... absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things for me is this isn't about the um, – you know, trying to be cheerleaders for a particular party, which I think both of both of us have been accused of at various points, uh, even just in the last week, let alone throughout our careers. But you know, this is about a pretty uh, clear and succinct analysis of policy. And, you know, and I will say that you know a lot of the big peaks, um, you know, Good Start and, and DCA, they're, they're putting out um, through their various advocacy campaigns analysis of, of policies, and they're they're saying this as well. So this is not about you know trying to uh, you know get people to don. Labor volunteer shirts and hand out how to vote cards. This is about saying um, there are policies in front of us that we are being that we are choosing, um, and it's important that we think about it. Because the other thing I would add to all this, which is a little separate to early education, um, is that for people who have a very broad interest in children's rights, is to really look closely at um, a whole range of policies that people are implementing, including policies around asylum seekers and 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 how child refugees are treated, as well as things like um, young families. Is the big parties offering good in that area, Liz? Yeah, well, not so great, Lisa, and that will certainly be front of my mind as I head to the ballot box. Um, I think, and I think I've sort of said this before, um, the sector loves to put up things like the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child up in their um, up in their you know staff rooms and up in their classrooms without realizing that a um, that's a political act. The United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child is the definition of a political act. Is a treaty between countries that was signed by governments and require um, you know certain reports into the United Nations Convention uh, to the Committee on the Rights of the Child, which is a hugely political process. So um, I'm always fa- and you made this point really clear in that article, Lisa, is that people you know put up their copy of the ECA Code of Ethics, which explicitly calls out to the need to advocate for children, um, which is inherently a political act, but. Uh, the other thing is that you know I'm I'm always interested when you know people who are who are held up who who claim to have a very broad view of children's rights, um, you know, are sort of don't don't you know sort of go a bit quiet when we talk about child refugees and and those kind of things in the political space, and that's you know just important to me. But you know, even thinking about things like the NDIS and how that affects young young people and children, and um, you know, New Start payments, you know, they have a huge impact on. Um, you know, people. You know, particularly. Sing- yeah, absolutely. If, like, if you if you want to engage in that space, of children's and let's advocacy. not even begin to talk about parent the parents next program. No. <laughs> yeah, there's a huge yeah. amount to think about. It's not it's not easy. It's and it, it is complicated. And I had a you know big uh, discussion with um, a really great discussion actually with um, someone I know quite well. So it's, yeah, sort of talking about 
there's, there's very rarely a perfect option, but you at least need to know what you're getting into when you're voting and you kind of need to need to have that discussion. But if children is your big issue, you know, there's a lot to think about um, this election, not just early education policies. But uh, I think the point of, um, and actually the broad thrust of all of your articles, Leecher, which, which, you know, I, I can't remember if I've specified, but they are fantastic. And, and thank you so much for you. pulling it together. They're really, uh, you know, worth reading and, and sharing with your your colleagues who, who maybe think that politics isn't something they can or should get engaged with. But I think the point... Um, the the overall um, you know theme I get from those uh, pieces, Lisa, is just to um, really consider the, the policies that are being presented, and don't you know necessarily either jump to a conclusion either way. But um, if you call yourself someone who thinks about children's rights, then you're kind of obligated to get involved in the politics and um, and use your vote. Absolutely, absolutely. You've got to vote. <laughs> yeah, people have fought. You know, for you to have that vote, especially if you're a woman, you know, so use it and and um, use it well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so if you head to the-framework.org, you'll find um, a whole range of, you know, what I hope are quite interesting articles, but Lisa's ones are the most recent ones that will be up there, but we'll include links to the specific articles as well. But Lisa, thank you both for the articles and for uh, chatting to me. And uh, thank you and Northside for inviting me to write them. It's been fun. It's been wonderful hosting you, Lisa. Well, we will. I think we will maybe be back next week with episode 100. We've just got to see if we can get all our schedules to line up, but it'll certainly be uh, this week or next week. So until then, it's goodbye from me. And from me. You have been listening to The Early Education Show, hosted by Lisa Bryant, Leanne Gibbs and Liam McNicholas and produced by Liam McNicholas. Find us online at earlyeducationshow.com and while you're there, it would be great if you could hit the Support the Show tab where you can become a patron of the show and support us for as little as $1 a month. We really appreciate it. Get in touch with us at earlyedushow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter with the username earlyedushow. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast Store. This really helps other people find the show. See you next time.